Hey there, and welcome back to The Will and Rob Show. It is great to be with y'all. My name is Robert, Ministry Associate with Ministry to State, a ministry of the PCA here in Washington, D.C., that ministers to those working in government. And with me, as always, my beloved co-host, Will Stockdale. Will, how is everything going? I got to say this. uh, Spring made the most half-hearted attempt of breaking winter's grasp uh, last week. It was like you know, a couple days of beautiful and then just gave up. It's like, it just gave up and let winter have its way again. And uh, I'm ready for spring to actually put forth a little bit of effort around here. Same. Yeah. I was, I was disappointed too, when I looked at the forecast for the week, cause I was, you know, looking forward to doing some running outside and, and maybe going to playing a little bit of golf. And then it was like forties all week. That's not going to work. So um, yeah, it'll be nice when the, the weather gets a little bit warmer. Um, Although those nice, those couple of days last week were, were real nice. That was a, uh, that was primo. Oh, 100%, 100% ready for it to come back. Um, ready Have you got some... a chance to go look at the cherry blossoms? Um, well, I, I see them around the city, but I haven't actually made a trip out to the tidal basin. Uh, I've seen on people's feeds that they have been visiting uh, the, the cherry blossoms, but I haven't made a personal trip. Are you guys going to come in? Are you guys going to make one? Well, I, I did the same thing the other uh, last week we had a meeting for ministry of state. And then afterwards I had some time to kill before my train back out to the burbs. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I haven't walked the mall in a while. And so I went down and walked towards the Washington monument and back towards my train stop. And um, there's a few cherry blossoms on that route and got to see them. And, you know, the, the thing that I always love uh, during cherry blossom season is how many people come to the city to see them. And it's just really fun to watch all of like the tourists who have traveled there uh, you know, taking their pictures underneath the cherry blossoms and how happy and excited they are to come visit our town. So, um, yeah, I thought, I, I just thought that was really fun. And I think we'll probably go in, my mom comes, um, in town here pretty soon and we'll probably take her into the city and, and go walk around the monuments and stuff. And hopefully there will be some that will still be in bloom. So she'll get to see them. So yeah, we've already peaked. We've already peaked, but hopefully there'll yeah. still be some, some beauty. There will be beauty remains. Yes. Um, whenever she gets in town, but you know, Robert, you, you skipped right to banter, but we have a huge announcement to make, true. which, which, well, which is obvious. Um, I'm sure that our fans are, well, <laughs> don't assume anything. I'm sure that the people listening um, are aware that this is episode 100 of the will and Rob show. This is episode 100. We, uh, I wish I had reggae horns to play. Like, I feel like this is, would be a moment to introduce reggae horns. Boy, we don't have them. Sorry. Oh, so, yeah. We, we get that producer on it. That's right. That's right. What, what, what do we call him? Uh, Joe. 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 We have to get the intern to get that together for us. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a hundred episodes. It's been over two years that we have been doing this show together. And, uh, you know, not every week. There have been some weeks that we've taken off, but um yeah, it's been it's been fun. I feel like there's been a lot to a lot to learn and a lot that uh, I've appreciated uh, doing this with you. I mean, uh, I, seriously, well, this has been so much fun. Hundred episodes is nothing to uh, nothing to laugh at. I mean, that's a that's a huge accomplishment, and uh, we couldn't do it without obviously Ministry of State and its support, and then also um, the dear listeners who've tuned in every week to 
to listen um, to all of our different shows. You know, I was I was thinking about this episode because I really wanted to spend some time talking about um, what we've what we've learned over the last 100 episodes of doing this show. Um, a lot has happened. This show was really birthed out of the COVID-19 pandemic. People might remember that our first episode was um, just a couple of weeks, I think, after the official shutdown in March of 2020. And um, uh, since then, we've had a lot of interesting conversations about the pandemic, but other things have happened as well. We've had um, a very uh, contentious uh, presidential election cycle uh, in 2020, and we covered that as well. Um, we had the, uh, the death of George Floyd and the subsequent events that happened uh, after that as well. And I had some interesting conversations about that. What I, what I mean to say by saying all this stuff is just that a lot has happened in the two years uh, since we've started this podcast. And we've had some interesting conversations with people. We've had some good um, uh, interviews. And uh, I think some of the highlights for me have been um, uh, Mako, who came on very recent, you know, very early on to the show and talking about art and, and beauty um, and, and uh, creation care instead of culture war. And then uh, I think another highlight has been uh, Dr. Van Dixhorn, uh, who came on to sort of um, uh, kind of the big hurrah at the end of our uh, long discussion that we had week to week on the Westminster Confession of Faith. So those have been some highlights for me as I think about two weeks of doing this show. Yeah. You know, uh, when I think back to how we started, I'm sure you remember this, but we actually had to re-record our first episode. Yeah. And so the, the first episode we did, uh, I had no idea what we were doing and it was so off and the dialogue was so like mechanical uh, or stilted that we had to get back on and re-record the, the episode to make it feel a little more conversational. Uh, I'm sure we still have a long way to go. I know we do, but I feel like we've definitely improved and gotten, gotten a lot better at just dialoguing back and forth. But it's funny to think about how that started. And, um, and look, you know, like you said, it, a lot has happened in two years. It's been a pretty significant uh, over two years. Uh, a lot that we didn't know um, had any anticipation of what was going to come. I think personally, it's fun. Nice to have this as like a little time capsule, you know, uh, for thoughts and um, musings. And uh, uh, hopefully it's been helpful to people or, or been thought provoking, or maybe uh, hopefully mostly, I think, encouraging people's faith and, and their walks with Jesus. I think that's one of our biggest hopes, uh, talking about things from a perspective of, of Christian life and ethics. Um but, you know, when I look at our, our first couple episodes, uh, I think about episode two, and I don't know if you remember this, but in episode two, we talked about a couple different articles, a few different articles. One was the Brad Wilcox piece, because uh, early on, and things have changed so much, but when, when, if you remember when the pandemic first started, there was so much prognosticating about the future of everything right. after COVID. Um, like, what is this going to be like? And Brad Wilcox wrote a question about the future of the family and I have a ton of respect for him. I think he's really a scholar at uh, UVA. He's great, but there's that piece, but the other piece that we talked about, which was much more interesting than I think most of us probably forgotten about was that the article that basically said that Trump and the evangelicals created the coronavirus pandemic. Do you remember that? It was basically like these science dismissers, uh, the evangelicals who deny somehow like, Young Earth creationism led to right. COVID nineteen shutting down the world. 
Right. Uh, and that was a piece that went on early. And it was actually so incendiary when it came out that the New York Times had to change the title of it later. There oh, was the, yeah. Remember that? There was yeah. an initial title, like Evangelicals to Blame for COVID-19. Right. Even, even the New York Times, like, whoa, 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 this is a little <laughs> much. Let's let's rename this. But the point still came across. The article was still the same. But that that was one of those early on moments that, of course, um, when you look at the rest of the two years and what's happened and, and the way that uh, evangelicalism going even back before that, since probably 2000, I'd say ha- has been viewed and perceived, but that was like a high point, this crescendo of like, holy smokes, that's a quite, the, <laughs> quite the accusation to give. Yeah. We're both, uh, the evangelicals are both uh, a very, very small group of people that, that don't really accomplish much. And then also like are apparently in control of everything that happens in America, which is a very interesting uh, critique to lay at the feet of, of evangelicalism. Um, it's it's, yeah, it's quite remarkable. It was quite remarkable. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned uh, talking to Mako. I was so, that was such an encouraging, very thankful to our friend uh, Molly Wicker for connecting us with him and getting able to talk with, about him and uh, with him about art and, and uh, how he views it in terms of culture care and ministry and just beauty. Um, Dr. Peter Yoder, church historian, uh, was fun talking about plagues and uh, the black death in, in Germany um, and his conversations about that and how the church responded. That was really neat. Um, and then uh, buddy James Madden. And then, you know, we need to release this episode. Our friend uh, who came on this is episode eight, we, I promise we won't go through all these, but Alicia Akins yeah, uh, came her, on. Her book has now come out. Her book is now out. I have it on my shelf right behind me here. Um, it's a signed copy too. Which is Whoa. Really cool. oh, yeah. Um, but but you know she was on uh, and so her book is really beautiful. It's worth it's worth buying. If I um, remember correctly, on that episode, she kind of like gave us a sneak peek of what the book was going to be about, and now we are here, two years later, and the book is published. That's pretty cool. You know, I don't think she may not agree with this. So don't ask her. But I don't know if she could have done it without us. I mean, clearly the, the whole I mean, reason the book came to fruition was because of the the Will and Rob show. Um, <laughs> no, she's great. Very gifted writer and. Um, conspiracy theories was something else we talked about um, and, and all of uh, how that was working through um, uh, evangelicalism and uh, online culture as well. And online churches in terms of evangelicalism, but uh, man, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot, there's been a lot here to look at. And I guess in, in light of that, or in line with that, what are, um, what are some of your big, lessons that you have taken away from from these episodes yeah you know it's it's funny um i was thinking about that when you brought up the conspiracy theory thing just right then because i think what i remember about doing those episodes uh was uh kind of the first time we got some uh uh, listener feedback about with some questions about uh differentiating conspiracies from um, uh, maybe not cynicism, but a more realistic vision of, of uh, media and how it works. And I think, you know, personally, that's something that I have learned. I just want to briefly plug this, that something I've learned uh, over two years is uh, I think the, the wisdom of leaders and Christians who understand that uh, uh, 
you don't have to have an immediate opinion on everything. Um, I think we've talked about this on the show about the nature of the internet and social media in that um, if you are not tweeting, if you're not posting on Facebook, if you're not podcasting, you effectively don't exist because this in the digital world, you have to be speaking to exist. And so that, that urges us, it nudges us to uh, make comments, make prognostications, make arguments uh, without the full picture and usually within the fog of war. And I think we've kind of seen this come full circle now where we are in the midst of uh, a like actual war, right? In Ukraine and Russia um, and having to take the, you have to have the wisdom and the discernment uh, to realize that we don't know all the facts all the time. And sometimes it's best to just, you know, wait, pray, um, and, and learn things as they come out that we we're that this, there's this temptation by the internet, by their, by our technology to force us into saying things before we really know the full story. And I think that's something that I've learned. I just wanted to kind of quickly say over the last two years is that sometimes, sometimes it's okay not to have an opinion on everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it is humbling too. I think to have a recording of your own voice, my own voice and, to realize, man, I wish I could have that back. Uh, yeah. I wish that I hadn't said that so quickly. I wish that I had maybe been a little more, not even charitable. That is good. That is a better posture to take, but just a little more reticent about a thought when it was asked. Um, yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, love or hate him in his book, world order at the end, Henry Kissinger talks about advice for future world leaders. And, um, one of the pieces of advice is he basically gives his patience. Mm. And he says in our instant information age, uh, you, you, a, a, a missile strike happens and it, people expect for the state department or defense department to immediately have something to say about it. And he's like, guys, you, you, you can't like, there's so much going on and you have to give them, you know, whatever about Kissinger, whatever your thoughts are. I think that the point applies in so many areas of life where, um, we need to be willing to be patient to say, Hey, uh, you know, I don't know the answers, but also to be able to pastorally in whatever walk of life you are to be able to give some kind of salient, uh, responsible response to people that is loving, that is caring, that is letting you know what you think, but, but isn't also the 15 second disclaimer that you put before, uh, something, you know, um, cause that can be equally as, as foolish looking. Um, and so, yeah, the, you know, I, I, I agree with you um, in terms of uh, learning to be a little slower to speak. And I think also one thing about the conspiracy theory question, I, I think one of the things that uh, Harry uh, had asked is a buddy who, uh, uh, who asked and is, um, you know, what happens when the conspiracies end up being reality? And, right. um, you know, there's stuff about agree or disagree. Lab leak theory has a lot more behind it uh, than it did before. Uh, the Hunter Biden laptops have a lot more behind it than before. Um, you could say the same on a number of issues. Typically, uh, what are called conspiracy, typically it seems are things on the right side. Perhaps there is a bigger uh, proclivity of people who are right-wing to come up with conspiracies than left-wing. I, I don't know. But uh, but the point is some of them become validated. And I think that in that, in that light, you have to be careful of calling someone crazy um, for particular views that they hold. But that's... That's, a, I think, maybe a smaller lesson. But in addition to that, uh, um, you know, we, we, we talked about uh, the persecution of the church. We had some 
uh, seminary professors on. We had Scott Red and Thomas Keen on as well to talk with us. But um, what was a what what are some other things as you reflect that you've learned? Um, I think one thing, my main takeaway over the last two years uh, has been this, which is um, obviously the two years that we've done this show, there have been a lot of um, flashpoints in yes, the PCA, yes, the reform world, but sort of evangelicalism broadly. And I think one reason why a lot of those flashpoints created so much discord, so much disunity, a lot of harsh words um, and, and improper responses a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that, we, that we've grown fairly complacent over peacetime. Um, you know, m- growing up, and maybe it's just a product of my youth, but uh, growing up, I don't really remember so much um, fury about what was going on in the church and what people were saying and who was saying what and taking sides. I, I knew there was debates. I knew there was arguments, but at the end of the day, people, everyone still went to, you know, the TGC conferences and everyone still went to, um, uh, these, you know, everyone read basically read the same books and it was very, a unified thing. And there's a whole separate conversation about, you know, how true was that real unity at the, in the first place, what was actually happening there. I, 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 Granted, all those conversations are worth having. Um, but I think my, my point is this, is that um, I think ultimately a lot of us have grown complacent during peacetime. And then when quote unquote wartime, or you want to, or just let's just say flashpoints or times of controversy come, we didn't have the virtues to handle those as well as we could have. Um, and so I think, you know, one reason why the responses to the pandemic have been the way they are, I think, is because we, we really didn't spend a lot of time uh, prior to COVID working out uh, robust political theologies that would have served us well. Um, the reason why I don't think we necessarily handled some of these other things is because we, we really didn't take the time to build the, the theologies and, the, and do the catechism that we needed to um, to prepare ourselves for when things like this would happen you know, how would we respond? Um, and we were kind of left uh, out in the cold on some of these things. Um, not everybody, but some. And I do think that, um, uh, you know, the lesson that I've learned now is I need to be preparing myself um, uh, now uh, for the issues that I'm going to face 10, 15, 20 years from now. Um, and I need to be saturated in the word. I need to have the word written on my heart because I'm going to need it in times of trouble. I'm going to need it at those, those flashpoints. Um, I, if I'm spending, you know, the time during a controversy, furiously flipping through my Bible, looking for the proof texts that are going to support my position, I'm already behind. If that makes sense, I'm already in a, in a losing posture. Um, and I think as some, as somebody who's, you know, hopefully, and, and, uh, uh, God willingly moving towards leadership in the church. Uh, that's, that's something I think I've taken away uh, as I think about the last two years of doing this show. Yeah. 
that's that's a really good word. I think one thing that we um, care about and recognize a need in our lives and the lives of Christians around us, older and younger, is an emphasis on discipleship and an emphasis on being discipled in the word, in being uh, bathed and soaked in the truth of scripture and who God is and how he has revealed himself to us first and foremost. And I think with that, um, you know, another thing that's important is, is how we talk about the church, how we talk about his bride. Uh, um, we've talked about this some, but uh, you know, one thing that we've seen is, is campaigns, movements um, that either seek to like, if you ever say anything bad about the church, good or wrong, you know, you're a, you're a threat to the church and you need to be silenced. And that's, that's wrong as well, because the church has a prophetic voice and has a prophetic voice that needs to speak loudly. I think one example of this is Christians in Ravi Zacharias's ministry, who him and other people who were silencing people who were hurt because of the threat at post of ministry, that is, you've killed with those NDAs, um, the prophetic witness and voice of the church to bear truth and salt and light um, to a world that is in need. So that's wrong. The other side is, you know, if we're loud enough and tell the world how much we are disappointed in the church, how much the church has failed, how much is wrong with the church, then maybe we can win some people. And um, I think what's happening is that this beautiful thing that God has given to us in Christ uh, is like sawing off the branch we're sitting on and totally losing uh, people. And and I don't think we understand that we're not giving them anything that is willing to to join or come into. So I think one thing is to be careful in how we talk about the church, to be um, uh, capital C, and I think lowercase c as well, local churches as well, how we, how we publicly talk about them, we need to be a little reluctant. I, I think an example of this, something I was talking with you about earlier is, you know, we like to make fun of the disciples or characters in scripture who get stuff wrong. And we can belittle characters like, um, you know, Isaac or Abraham, or uh, we get like Peter, or Paul. And, you know, I, there's a reason that God chose to have them. And, and I'm, you know, look, just to be, you know, put it out, Sarah and Mary and Martha and, you know, women in the Bible, we, we, you know, I, I think that there, there can be an emphasis or a, a moment to make fun of them, but, you know, God put them in there for a reason. And he put them in there to be an example of his faithfulness. And those men and women are part of redemptive history of God's working in the world to bring about the, the fullness of his reign. And I think we need to be careful how we speak about them too. And if that's true, how much more is church that is the body of Christ, how we speak about her, how we, how we look at her, how we represent her to others. Um, and I think, and honestly, a self-assessment when, when I say stuff like, man, the church, da, 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 typically it's like, if I were in charge, this would never have happened is like in a lot of ways, the undertone or gosh, the church typically does this. What that implies is we're not doing that and we're never going to do that. You know? So I would just say, just to be cautious that when we make those types of generalizations, it can be creative and self-righteousness can actually taint a view people have of the church. And, and, I, and I think can set up for a lot of, well, failure and just be little as that. Anyways, I've already said it, but um, those are, those are some things that I've been thinking about. Yeah. And learned. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. I've definitely noticed that it, in 2022, it takes far more courage um, to defend the bride of Christ than it does to write a weekly column against her. Uh, uh, I mean that a little bit, uh, 
let's get a little bit of a subtweet, but uh, that's fine. Boy, boy, Robert, do you have someone in mind? Yeah, seriously, I'm sorry. Um, the, you know, I, I, I learned, a, I've learned a lot uh, about uh, <laughs> these things as becoming a parent. And um, I know that's a really cliche thing for parents to sort of relate everything back to parenting children, but I've learned a lot of lessons from it. And I think one thing I've noticed is that um, when my son misbehaves, it is very easy. The inclination in me is, is to say, well, if I spank him, he'll learn, or if I yell at him, he'll learn and he won't do it again. Um, And it actually takes far more courage and it's, it's actually far more effective to resist those um, most of the time and instead to, you know, try to reconcile, understand why are you doing this thing and let's correct behavior that way. It, you know, it actually doesn't really solve any issue to, um, uh, to berate your child or to yell at your child in public. Um, that usually doesn't help things like my son is prone to throw our throw tantrums at target when he doesn't get to get a set of Legos. Um, I could stand in that target and yell at him and make sure all the other parents knew around that I was a good parent, that I saw what was going on. And I, and I stopped the tantrum that usually doesn't happen. What usually happens is what I found is more effective is picking up my son, carrying him out of target back to the car, and having a, a one-on-one conversation with just me and him to figure out what is happening, right? Now that's sort of an ideal world, but um, I think the point, I think you can apply some of these lessons to how we deal with misbehavior in the church. Um, uh, there are times when public lash tongue lashings um, don't accomplish the goal. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is purification. The goal is holiness. Um, and I'm not saying it's it's a one-to-one, you always got to do this or you always got to do that. What I'm saying is that I think if we were to be patient, if we were to step back, we'd learn. Uh, it takes far more courage and it's far more effective um, if we were to handle some of these issues uh, more uh, uh, with a gentle tone, with more of an aim towards reconciliation and unity than what you said, you know, cutting the branch off or like what I hear a lot, the, the language I hear a lot is it's a cancer. We got to cut it out. And, you know, the bright, the, the, the glorified body of Christ is not, you know, partially human. Cause it's got all these, these tumors cut out. It's a restored, fully healthy body. And I think that that's a kind of a good, in my mind, a good way to think about it. Yeah. You know, with that, um, I think about the the people that we've had on and just to mention a few more, John and Caitlin Shelton, who were so fun to have on with their twins or Dr. David Corey to, and then the others that have been mentioned, these people take being a Christian very seriously. Uh, they, they consider it a serious and very real thing that it is something meaningful that it carries with it implications and responsibilities in this world for the glory of God. And I think that's just a really, for me, that's been a really affirming, encouraging aspect of this, uh, of being a member of the church, of learning to love the body, to realize that however we do choose to engage, however we do choose to live, whatever God has called us to, that it is a serious business. 
Um, I think also what's fun is that, you know, it's, look at the people. I think everyone's had a sense of humor. Uh, everyone's been able to make jokes. Uh, I think we make a fair amount of jokes. You know, it's not that we're super serious. I think that's one of the things that I love most about Sinclair Ferguson, uh, yeah. who, according to my Twitter bio, did once tell me I had a good sense of humor. <laughs> the most meaningful thing I got out of seminary education. No, um, but he's a, he's a man who um, takes God and his word absolutely seriously, who is very serious about God but is not very serious about himself mm. um, who has a lightness about who he is and uh, how he, how he conveys. Um, he's brilliant, unbelievably learned as a scholar and a systematic theologian. Um, but he, he's just, he, his job is to show people Jesus and to, mm. to speak truly about God. And that's what he cares about. Um and I think having men and women on the show like that, being able to engage with people has been an encouraging reminder of what we're called to do, uh, to be serious Christians, to uh, to love life with zeal, to pursue his kingdom, uh, his glory. Um, yeah, to seek first his kingdom and all this will be added to you. And so um, that comes with loving his church, to contemplating the cross, like we've talked about, um, and speaking truth and love, among other things. Amen. Okay. So, well, I mean, Robert, you, amen. Do you have any, any final words as we land? This is not the end folks. This is not the end. So just because it's episode 100 and we're having a little bit of nostalgia. Here, yeah. Uh, don't, is, don't, don't get worried. This is food for the journey, journey forward here. Yes. This is what this is. Uh, I'm trying to think any other lessons. Um, I'm a slow learner. So if we could do this around seriously, 105, yeah. maybe episode 105, that'd be better. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm really excited about, uh, what the, what the next episodes have in store. I think, um, there's always going to be stuff to, to talk about. Um, I think when I talk to Christians, uh, especially Christians in DC, I think uh, I'm encouraged by the level, what you're talking about, the seriousness, the level of seriousness people have about how do, how does my faith apply to these things that I'm interacting with in the world? And it's just been an honor and a privilege to be able to come alongside a lot of those people. And so um, I'm just really excited for, for what's in store. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I would end it. Well, thanks uh, Robert for those words. And so I'll go ahead and land it here. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for being a part of this fun journey so far. Uh, we love what we get to do. Uh, thankful for, the ministry and this denomination that we really do love uh, uh, the PCA. Um, you guys can uh, please like, and subscribe. Listening is important. Liking and liking and subscribing is important as well. So please uh, leave us a review. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And in terms of followership, you can also follow Robert on Twitter at RD Hassler. Uh, you can follow me as well. It's at Stockdale will, although I'm much <laughs> less of an, you said that, yeah, you said that very dour, like you should definitely follow Robert, but don't, don't follow me. Why you have a great Twitter. No, I don't. I, 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 I never tweet. I tweet once every You're alert. I, I would love to actually get the number. It's probably once every like 10 days on average, I think maybe. Gosh, so are, that's what I've learned. I've learned that we are very different people when it comes to Twitter. Yeah. One of, yeah, I won't make any, I won't make any snide remarks on that. But, uh, <laughs> You're clearly the wiser one. That's what, that's what the, that's oh, what the takeaway is. That, Cause that's what, yeah. And humble too. Those are what the wise, humble people say. I'm so much better than you, Lord. Thank you that I'm not like this man. That is, that is absolutely <laughs> my takeaway from this. So, well guys, thanks so much. And we look forward to being back with you next week. Bye.